Hello everyone, welcome back to Relax with Animal Facts. I am Steph Wolf and today I'm going to be learning with you about our furry, scaly, or possibly even slimy friends. Today we're going to be talking about the uh, oh-so-wonderful sugar glider. Um, so this episode is dedicated, this is a special listener episode of course, uh, this is dedicated to Ava from uh, Houston, Texas, who sent um, this uh, this recommendation in through email. So if you want to have your animal on the podcast, you can go ahead and send an email to relaxwithanimalfacts at gmail.com. I really love hearing from all of you out there um, and hearing what you want to uh, hear about, um, just so it can it can make for a much more um, immersive sort of animal learning experience for every single one of you out there. So I just wanted uh, to say a few things before we get into the podcast. Um, the first thing being that I have an Instagram that I'm, uh, that I post updates on. So, um, if say maybe an episode is running a little bit late, there is 100% of the time always an explanation for it. I've been running into some com computer troubles, um, this past week or so. I have no idea what's going on. It is not exactly the most, um, or the best time to have computer troubles, uh, you know, with the whole thing going on right now. So I've been just trying to deal with that, um, and, and figure it out, but you can follow the Instagram at RWAF podcast. If you search that up on Instagram, you'll see it. It's the, it's the official relax with animal facts, Instagram page where I'll be posting updates and, and things like that. Um, so thank you to you, uh, to those of you who have written into the show that have followed and, uh, and subscribed on, on Spotify or, Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or wherever you listen, and also to those of you that follow uh, already follow the show on Instagram. Um, so today I got my facts from facts.net, believe it or not, so a very, very broad website title there, facts.net, um, and National Geographic as well. So there's a lot to know about these little guys, um, about these little, um, um, you know, sugar gliders, which is a really interesting name um and we'll get into the it might be spoiled by the end you know i think that m many of you can uh, by the end of the episode can guess where does you know their name come from um so why don't we just get right into the show so the sugar glider if, if you have never heard of these before they are uh possums that are about palm size um, that can glide half the length of, a, of a, a soccer field in just one trip. So these small guys can make quite a journey. Um, and these very common tree-dwelling marsupials, so these are marsupials, and they are native to tropical and the cool temperate forests in Australia. So to all you Australian listeners out there, uh, shout out to you. You guys have some very cool animals there. Um, so they are, uh, so they're native to, uh, those, those forests in Australia, Indonesia, and Papua New Guinea as well. So their wings are made from a, th uh, from thin skin that is stretched between the fifth forefinger and the back ankle, which this, um, which they will, uh, kind of spread apart to make this wing sort of structure. Um, and their, their bushy tails, which I guess I should say maybe furry, bushy, slimy, scaly friends. So this is a, a bushy friend of ours. Um, they use their bushy tails as rudders as they, uh, soar through the air. So, um, we see tails being used in a lot of the animal kingdom um, for a sense of direction, almost a, like a rudder. We've learned with even big cats, even though big cats and these little palm-sized possums don't have too much in common, 
One thing they do have in common here is that their tails play a vital role in how they maneuver the landscape that they're in. You know, with cheetahs, they use it to really, um, uh, they use it as a, as a balancing tool to be able to switch directions very quickly when they're running at such high speeds as they do. And with the sugar glider, they use it as almost like a rudder, um, you know, one that would be on a boat or or um, I guess any other, uh, a lot of other sort of watercrafts. Um, and often they, they are compared with flying squirrels, but they are indeed different. So flying squirrels, uh, which we'll cover on another episode for sure, because they're also awesome. Um, they are rodents, the flying squirrels, and they have similar bodies that also give them the ability to glide. But the sugar gliders are much more closely related to other marsupials. So if you remember some of the marsupials that we've covered on the podcast, one of the main ones that they're closely related to would be the uh, kangaroo, also native to Australia. So that's awesome. Um, And these animals are indeed nocturnal. So if we remember what that means, nocturnal means that they are um, awake during the nighttime and they sleep during the day. Um, and so they're able to see very well in the dark with, they have these eyes that are very, very large. Um, they're very big and black eyes. So they're able to see through the night, uh, a little bit better because, um, you know, if animals had human sort of, um, night vision, which for us, um, is very, very inferior in terms of, you know, um, our, our, visual perception with some of these other nocturnal animals. For us, we can adjust our eyes to darkness a little bit so we can see a little bit more. But for the most part, um, you know, if the flying squirrel, not the flying squirrel, if the sugar glider had similar vision to humans, they would probably be in trouble. They might uh, want to switch from nocturnal to, um, you know, uh, being awake during the daytime instead. Um, and they have mostly gray fur, but their underbellies are going to be white and their heads have black stripes. Now, I couldn't find anything to do with maybe the, um, the advantages to having this kind of, this kind of color of having an underbelly that's a different color being white and their heads having even black stripes. You know, the first things that come to mind is maybe it's camouflage, maybe something like that. We learned on the penguin podcast very recently that the bellies of penguins are white. So when they're, sw- when they're swimming on, um, kind of close to, closer to the surface of the water, they can blend in easier to the sky. So it's, it almost acts like a, ca- a camouflage. But here I couldn't find anything. So I can only make a few assumptions, maybe some educated guesses. Um, but, in their environment, in, in the um, temperate forests, in tropical forests, I don't see how a white underbelly would necessarily benefit them, um, you know, uh, when it comes to camouflage. So maybe they are just that color because they're, they're that color and nature says so. Um, so these creatures live in the branches of trees and why they, uh, while they are able to um, maneuver in different ways, such as crawling and walking, they like to glide from branch to branch. Um, they can't actually fly. Um, same with the flying squirrel. When you see the flying squirrel, or when you when you just read the name, you know you imagine a squirrel kind of flapping its arms up and down. Um, but just like the the flying squirrel, the sugar glider can't actually independently fly, which is maybe why they're not called sugar flyers, but instead sugar gliders. So although they have um, you know the, this piece of skin that is able to um, uh, allow them to maneuver 
through the air in this very aerodynamic and cool way, they can't independently fly and take off like many other birds and uh, different sort of uh, animals like that. And it is actually uh, the sugar gliders and flying squirrels who inspired the invention of the wingsuit. So, um, you know, human beings, this is what I love about learning from animals and learning about nature because, um, you know, it can inspire inventions in our real, you know, day to day. There are so many things that animals have down that, that, um, we have taken, um, to, to kind of apply to greater technologies and things like that. And while the wingsuit looks very fun for me, it looks just a tad too dangerous. Um, it looks like it would be an absolute, um, you know, uh, I, I don't know what word to use, a hoot of a time. Um, you know, I'm a young guy saying a hoot of a time seems a little bit odd for me. Um, but, um, you know, skydiving feels like one thing, but using a wingsuit feels like a totally next level sort of thing. Uh, but maybe that's just how I'm perceiving it. Um, but anyways, moving on. Um, in the wild, the sugar gliders will spend most of their time up in the canopy of the trees, uh, which is their natural environment, as we just established. Um, and it's their natural environment for a few reasons. Um, first reason being, um, it allows them to stay safer from bigger predators that are present on the ground, which is why they will very rarely make a, um, a landing on, uh, on the ground. And to get from tree to tree, they will leap and glide, which will minimize the risk of getting attacked from creatures on the ground. I'm sure that they, they could get in trouble from other sort of flying predators, things like eagles and hawks, although I don't know um, how their populations are in the areas in which this marsupial lives, but um, I'm sure that they um, do have predators that are able to fly as well. So they will make their nests in uh, holes of old trees, which they will uh, either find already ready-made for them, sort of like a sugar glider version of an Airbnb, that's how I like to think about it, or they will just create it themselves. So these are creative little guys, but they will also um, take advantage of, of, of one that's already pre-made for them, or maybe not for them, but for a previous glider. Um, so they will nest in these tree hollows with up to 10 uh, other adults. Um, and in addition, uh, in addition to the forest, they've also been found in different places like rural gardens, for example. Um, and females will have one or two young. And if you remember about the offspring that uh, are native to Australia, what their babies are usually called. We covered this on the kangaroo podcast, um, for example. And um, if you remember, they are called joeys. So um, they will have one or two young uh, uh, at least once a year. And the young will stay with their mothers until they're about 10 months old. So 10 months old is a decent amount of time, especially for an animal of this size and things like that, to stay with, with the mother. Um, you know, of course, this um, it is... Uh, for some animals, they spend much more time. For some animals, they spend much less time. So we've covered both on the podcast, which is which is ver uh, very awesome. So um, the sugar glider is, of course, admired for their aerodynamic abilities, their skills that they have. So a full-grown adult can glide as far as 150 feet 
which uh, means that they lose about three feet in height for every six feet traveled. So that is precisely why they are able to cover such a large distance. So by moving their arms, their bodies, and their tails, they can change direction, angle, and even speed to make sure that they are landing where they um, are aiming to land. So this will allow them to do things such as catch insects in flight. Um, so while they don't actually flap their, their membranes, so the membranes is what um, is the name they're attributing to the piece of skin that um, acts as the wingsuit for them. Um, so they don't actually flap their, the, um, their arms like birds do. Um, and this makes sure that they use less energy while in flight and just use, you know, nature's gift of wind and I suppose their innate sense of aerodynamics. And I think it's so cool that they have this innate sense uh, to be able to, to, to land how they want to land and change these complex variables like speed and, ang and angles and things like that um, to, to go where they want to go. So I, this is why animals are just so, so amazing. Um, and sugar gliders are extremely sociable creatures. So they will live in groups, and also how they how they live in groups is really interesting, which we'll get into in just a second. Um, so despite this, this um, we, we, we've covered a few different lifestyles on the podcast. We've covered some that are solitary, but these gliders are considered to have a communal lifestyle. So one that likes to um, be with others of its kind. And um, each one likes to have its own separate home. Uh, called the nest and each nest will contain either a lone creature or as we talked about up to 10 individuals which would cover an entire family um, and so to make sure everyone in the group knows who owns and lives in the nest each sugar glider will do something very common among the animal kingdom which is pee or urinate in its home so i'm very glad this is not um, a trait we developed as human beings um, because it would make visiting other people's homes very unpleasant. Um, and since the smell of each sugar glider is uh, unique, almost like a thumbprint, the smell of their urine will act almost as if it's like a personal address. Um, although I imagine if they had anything like, you know, Amazon Prime, they would probably have a hard time, or if they're delivering a pizza, uh, if they're ordering a pizza, it might be hard for them to get that personal address down pat. Um, so I guess it's good that they don't have a society just, uh, well, a, a technologically advanced society like we do. Maybe the, the whole peeing in their home thing would have to change. But as of right now, they enjoy, um, or they, they see it as a necessity rather to mark their territory. So very, very common uh, among many animals. And sugar gliders will use smell in the same way that we use writing, language, and signs. So um, while the urine is used to mark their territories, um, they will use different things such as saliva um, and the scents that are pro uh, produced from their foreheads and chests um, to get their messages across, which I think is really, really cool. And um, they have this kind of social hierarchy because of the scent. Um, and each nest will know, you know, who is where, you know, what family lives where just by this, um, just, just by the smell. So I think it's very, very cool. So although some sugar glider species are indeed solitary creatures, the vast majority are incredibly social. So these creatures can live together in, in groups of up to 30 family members and sometimes even more. Um, and as many as seven of these will uh, be adults while the rest will be offspring, uh, the young, I guess, um, joeys, you could say. Um, and 
Although each family raises and cares for their own young, they also will have this sort of communal system of helping each other raise their young, which can be very good in developing the skills that they need, uh, the, the joeys developing the skills that they need to go out there and catch some insects mid-flight. Um, and sugar gliders have actually two sets of hands. Um, so they have uh, two hands, well, I mean, not exactly, exactly, but they have two hands and two feet, but their feet are very, very dexterous, meaning that they have very good and fine motor control. So this will give them the impression of having four hands, similar to many primate species that we've covered. Um, having dexterous feet can be so, so advantageous um, because it, it can allow you to do many things that you wouldn't be able to do otherwise. So us humans, we have lost um, some of the, uh, we have lost this um, dexterity um, in our feet, just like, um, you know, how we, uh, in our previous ancestors, um, and our, uh, our primate ancestors, how they had these ex incredibly dexterous feet that can be used to grasp things and they can hold onto branches with their feet, no problem. Um, so while it helps in sort of arboreal life to have these, uh, four, uh, these four hands, um, technically, um, here in our lifestyle, we can see that we have evolved to not have such um, dexterous feet. It didn't serve us very much as we switched from more of an arboreal lifestyle into one that is mostly on the ground, running, walking, um, you know, bipedal, things like that. So it takes about uh, 15 to 17 days for sugar gliders to come out of their mother's wombs, after which they will crawl into the pouch. So we have learned on the show that marsupials differentiate themselves by, you know, being marsupials by this um, pouch that they have. And since they are born furless, they have to stay there for about 60 days for warmth. Um, and they'll open their eyes after about 80 days. So, um, you know, about two and a half months, after which they will have uh, time to leave the mother's pouches for short periods and learn more about the world around them. So I think that's so, so cool. Um, and sugar gliders, so this is the society, societal thing I was talking about earlier. Um, the sugar glider societies are run by two males. So groups tend to be, uh, tend to have one leader. We have covered, um, uh, the vast majority of animals that we've covered have a patriarchal sort of system, but we've even learned about animals that have matriarchal systems, such as the elephant, such as the uh, bonobo, for example. But we never see this thing where it is run by two males. Um, it's, it's fairly rare in the animal kingdom as far as, I mean, relatively, um, it's almost like having, you know, you have, you have a ship does in the, in the ship having two captains. It's not very common. So unlike in other species where groups tend to be dominated by a singular male, sugar gliders, um, indeed like to do two males, um, to one nest. And this duo will not compete with each other. Uh, indeed, they will actually cooperate when it comes to managing the nest and things like that. And they, they don't seem to have, or it hasn't, hasn't been documented as very common at all for them to have many disagreements or fights or anything like that. Um, together, they will indeed dominate the other males, um, though fights will be fairly rare. And they will share the nest responsibilities, you know, sort of like how we have in our sort of day-to-day um, -day life, maybe, okay, maybe you take out the garbage this day and you take out the garbage that, uh, you know, the next week. Uh, they have these sort of um, shared responsibilities. Um, and this will 
um, it is believed that it can um, increase the chances of survival for the nest, which is awesome. And sugar gliders' dads are very loving. So one of the most curious uh, of the, the spider, uh, the sugar, not spider, spider gliders would be probably a little bit scary. Um, the sugar glider facts here, one of the more curious ones is that um, the males make uh, great fathers. So not only will they take an active role in the care of the joey, um, but the dominant males become even more involved than the rest. For example, when it gets cold, one will stay with the young to keep them warm, while the other goes out to hunt. So here we see, uh, uh, you know, one of the first advantages to having a uh, uh, a team, kind of a duo male system, uh, or a, a duo um, a duo animal system in their species, um, and this is necessary because the sugar glider uh, children. Uh, or the joeys can't produce much body heat of their own until they're about um, 100 days old. And this is because they come out furless. So not having fur, you know, um, can be a very, very big disadvantage. Um, in parts of their range, winter temperatures can fall below freezing. And to keep warm, they will stay huddled together while they sleep. Um, so something we've also seen in, ping in penguins. So penguins, for example, do this sort of huddling behavior, and it allows um, for a much, much greater chance of survival, and it benefits everybody involved because everyone gets the heat. Of course, whoever's closer to the center gets more heat. Um, and that, along with shorter periods of reduced body temperature called uh, tor torpor, I don't know if I'm saying that right, T-O-R-P-O-R, -O -R, and it will help them save energy on colder days. So I think it would be worth definitely researching more into um, uh, these periods of reduced body temperature called torpor. I think it's pretty cool. Um, and if you're wondering what their diet is about, so they have a flexible diet that can vary according to where they live. You know, we, we, we covered that they, they can live in Australia, Papua New Guinea, and Indonesia. Um, and it can vary uh, to season and location. So they will feed on nectar, pollen, um, acacia, I think I'm saying that right, and eucalyptus tree sap. So they've also been observed systematically searching tree cones or pine cones, as we call here in Canada, for spiders and for beetles as well. So sugar gliders have a very sweet tooth, which um, I suppose by now many of you can probably guess where their names come from. Um, but I'm not going to say anything until the, uh, the end. We have, we have a few more facts to get through. So though, uh, though they are threatened by things like uh, feral animals, land clearance, bushfires for agriculture, they the sugar glider is um, amazingly still uh, considered to have a very stable population in the wild. They are also uh, considered to be uh, very great pets. So they are often bred and kept as pets as well. But um, if you are wanting to get a sugar glider as a pet, you have to know that these guys are very social creatures and they require a, a boatload of attention. So if you can't spend... Um, too much time with just one. Um, some people even buy two sugar gliders at a time so they can have that communication between each other. Because if you just get one sugar glider and you're at work all day, you know it's it's it can be uh, it can be very lonely for the singular for the solitary uh, sugar glider at home. 
but uh, it is a quick disclaimer. It is not a good idea to get a mature sugar glider as a pet because they have a hard time socializing with people and other creatures they're not familiar with. So as they're developing and, and um, they're, they're young and they're joeys, they're able to really adapt to this different kind of lifestyle. But getting a wild mature sugar glider um, can, can be a, quite a shock to them and they won't adjust as quickly, if at all, um, to the new environment. So for the final fact for today, uh, this is the sugar glider. Why are they named this? So of course they have a sweet tooth, so they have a preference for very sweet foods. And the glider part is just that they have this ability to glide through the air. So um, of course that is, um, that probably seemed obvious to many of you who are listening. But you know, for those of you who guessed it, good job. For those of you that didn't, absolutely no problem. You can always guess on next week uh, next week's episode. And now it is time for listener mail. So this comes from Ava from Houston, Texas. So um, I'm using this, the same email in which um, Ava recommended to me to do this podcast. Um, so uh, Ava writes, hello again, it is Ava from Houston, Texas. I had a few more animal suggestions for you. Um, and Ava suggested the sugar glider, axolotl, and the ibex. So very, very uh, cool animals that um, well, one of the one of which we are we we just covered. Um, and Ava continues here. Um, By the way, I am fine if you say my name on the podcast. And I wanted to thank uh, I wanted to say thank you to you for making these podcasts and keeping them going because they are literally the only thing that can put me to sleep at night. I've listened to every episode multiple times, but they are still just as good. My sister likes to listen to, uh, to them at night with me too sometimes. Um, she said, so thank you. You're a miracle worker and I mean it. So I just wanted to let you know how little did you know you are changing the world. And that is a pretty cool accomplishment. Sincerely, Ava. So these kind of emails that you, that you guys sent to me, they just put a smile right on my face. I love reading stuff like this. Um, I love reading any mail coming from people listening and, and fans of the show. Um, so um, thank you so much for writing in Ava. Uh, this episode wouldn't be possible without your support. And for all of uh, all the rest of you who listen to the show on a regular basis, who follow the, the uh, show on Spotify, if you're not following already, click that follow button. It really helps get this show out to many other people that want to relax to animal facts just like you. If you're interested in supporting the uh, this podcast a little bit further, you can go to patreon.com slash rwafpodcast uh, where we are posting brand new um, exclusive video episodes every single week. Um, Last week, we just posted the Woolly Mammoth episode, such a fun episode. So if you want to see what Stuff Wolf looks like, if you want to uh, learn about also some of the animals that have gone extinct and some of the lessons that we can learn from this, you can go to patreon.com slash podcast. Regardless, thank you all for your support, and I hope you enjoy the next episode with the next animal. Take care.